Welcome to Live With Joy, a podcast created to inspire our listeners to find their life's passion, release their greatest potential while living their lives with joy. Good morning and welcome back. Today, I have to confess something. Uh, I brought this book to Hinesville, Georgia with me and I was like, I'm going to finish sharing this because I know there's people waiting to hear the next episode. The whole week has been a challenge, just even carving out 15 minutes to where everything was right. There was no background noise, you know, there wasn't anybody around, um, and this morning I woke up and my eyesight was blurred. Like, you know, have you ever woken up in the morning and you just like, you feel like you got a film in your eyes and you can't get it out? Or the lighting wasn't right. That was another issue. I need a certain kind of light to read. My voice is kind of crackly. Um, You just have to make that time in the morning for the Lord. And I just really want to challenge you to do that, to just make it happen. You have to just, it has to be priority enough to make it happen, not let anything else stop you. So I am reading this to you today out of sheer will, (laughs) because I know what's happening here. The enemy does not want me to read this to you. Today's section is on finances, and I can understand why the enemy wouldn't want me to read this to you, and he doesn't want me to read it myself, I tell you, and I'll tell you about that in a second. But uh, again, the book is called God's Creative Power, and it's written by Charles Caps. and today's segment is written by Charles and Annette Caps. So, uh, I'll give you a little history myself. I grew up what I consider extremely poor. Uh, When I say extremely poor, there were nine children. I did have both of my parents in my home. Um, They worked very hard. Everybody in our family worked really, really hard. Um, But life was about survival. Sorry, I get a little emotional. When I think back about those days, um, which, you know, anybody listening to this can tell that this is very, very difficult for me just by the sound of my voice, but we worked hard all of our lives and finance was something that was always a challenge when you have nine children My mother had a nursing degree. My father uh, worked as a custodian. They both, they, my dad had side jobs. We grew up mowing yards, raking leaves, raking, you know, shoveling snow, cleaning off dry. We did everything. Roofing, tar. We roofed roofs with tar, you know, old big barns and all that kind of stuff. Trim trees. You know, we learned how to work early on in life and we worked hard. <clears throat> but when you came home at the end of the day and, you know, you had to go squirrel hunting or fishing or rabbit hunting or deer hunting, you know, out of pure necessity, not for a sport, pure necessity. Um, and you didn't necessarily like to eat those things, <laughs> um, you know, um, and then there were days where you didn't catch anything. And there were days where you literally prayed, where's our next meal going to come from? I remember hearing my mother crying in the middle of the night, just weeping and calling out to God. 
and, you know, asking for provision. So finances can be a difficult thing and I'm not going to hide this from you and pretend that I have it all together. That's not the purpose of this podcast. The purpose of this podcast is learning how to find joy, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Yesterday, as I was sitting in my brother's vehicle, I dropped him off to work. This uh, forklift comes out, and it's coming straight at me. So I back up real quick, and I knew there was nobody behind me when I pulled in. Uh, but I backed up, and something happened with his um, park assist where it's supposed to ding, ding, ding if you're going to hit something. And it didn't go off, and I hit something really, really hard. And I get out of the car just sick, like, oh, my gosh, somebody pulled in behind me, and I didn't see it see them. I looked through the rear view mirrors, but I hadn't adjusted his rear view mirrors yet. He's much taller than I am. So I thought, oh, stupid, stupid, stupid. I didn't get out and, or I didn't adjust the mirrors. And so I get out of the car and I walk around. Then the guy that was on the forklift, I'd say he's in his sixties, you know, and growing up in our Christian community, when anything bad happens to anyone, our first response is, is or should be concern. Are they okay? Oh, bless their heart. They're, you know, something bad just happened to them. And this guy just just lays back and laughs at me. And I thought, how could he do that? I was just in shock, in shock that I hit something and in shock that this man was just laughing at me. And so, of course, anger was the first response that I had. How dare he just laugh at me and sneer? It's just like the enemy, you know? He just laughs and sneers when we have trouble. So I get out of the car and I go around and it turns out to be a a pole, like a concrete pole that's there to protect you from hitting something like a gas line or something. So I hit a you know a concrete pole, it was low on the on the uh bumper or whatever and and it didn't do any major damage. It scratched his bumper, my brother's bumper and popped right out. Everything's fine, but that guy literally gets off of his of his forklift, does he come over to check on me? No, he comes over and he is laughing his head off. He doesn't get 20 feet. He just comes over to see what I hit. And when he saw what I hit, he laughed even harder and goes and gets back on his forklift. And why am I sharing all this with you? (laughs) Because yesterday was the day I was going to record this. And I was so upset all day yesterday. I had to process my anger. I I had to ask for prayer for anger against that man for being so mean to me and just laughing and laughing. He goes in and gets my brother because he knows whose vehicle it is. And he just laughs all the way back out to his forklift, you know. (laughs) I was like, oh, David, keep that man away from me because it won't be good if he comes close, you know. And that was something that the Lord revealed inside of me that I had um, resentment and anger in my heart yesterday that had to be dealt with. But also, I have to say that there was some angst in my heart uh, about reading this chapter. I knew what this chapter is about. And uh, a few years ago, um, I was in a church, and and this is sad to say, and I'm going to preface this by saying anywhere you go where people are, people are people. It doesn't matter if it's a CEO of a company that's that's embezzling money. 
people were people, and, and this man was happened to be in the church, and he embezzled money. And, um, you know, when you pay your tithe and you give your money to the church and then someone misappropriates it, it's a little hard to swallow, and I'm just being honest with you. So I struggled for a while. You know, I stopped paying my tithe because I was upset. I put it in other places, but I was upset, and I was like... You know, God, if this is how people are going to do, then why would I tithe at all? Like, well, I can make better decisions with this. I'd, I'll put it somewhere where I know. You know, and I don't think that that's altogether bad is to know the ministry that, you know, the integrity and the people to an extent that you know how they're using the money. And uh, And so I withheld tithe for a while. And at the end of the year, I wanted to catch up on tithing. So I reached out to a friend of mine. And I confessed to that person how I was struggling. And she said, let me ask you a question. She said, has God stopped prospering you this year? Or has he stopped prospering you over the past couple of years while you were tithing to that church? And I said, no, in fact, I have prospered more. And she said, so you see, your giving to God is between you and God. What that man does with it is between him and God. But you gave to God and he didn't stop prospering you. And that was like a revelational moment for me, you know, that, you know, and I had to, I, I, I rejoiced, Father, thank you that my tithing is between you and me. It's not between me and any other person. It's between you and me. And I give it to you. So again, as you can tell from what I'm saying to you that I've had some issues with, with faith in finances. Um, so I challenge you today to listen to these words that he is going to share and let it kind of get down in your crawl. <laughs> it may be a little uncomfortable. Don't stop the recording. Just listen to what he's saying here. And let's see what God does in your heart and my heart and how he can work through our lives and bring joy in our lives in regards to being a cheerful giver and being prosperous in our giving. The purpose of this book, as in my previous books, God Creative Power Will Work for You and God's Creative Power for Healing, is to reveal the principles of God's Word so that you may cooperate with and apply these principles to your daily life. The Word of God is not simply a storybook, history book, or religious book. God's Word is creative power. That power is still in the Word, but for it to work for you... It must be released by being spoken in faith. Unfortunately, most people are speaking words of fear and failure, speaking often of depressed economy, lack of jobs, and shortage of finances. They are saying what they have and having what they say. I hope you're catching that theme throughout this book. Uh, this is a side note. They are saying what they have, and in return, they are having what they say. I challenge you to change what you are speaking and use your words to bring God's provision into your life. By speaking and confessing these scriptures daily, faith will be created in your heart and you will begin to see God's creative power change in the circumstances of your life. Now, I will tell you on a side note, I have seen already two manifested healings in my body, uh, one in my eyes and one in my female parts. Um, I, in my eyesight, I went to the eye doctor last week, and he said the astigmatism that I've had forever in my left eye is gone. 
and that my retinas are strong and beautiful. And even compared to last year, they look better than my last exam. So I'm seeing God's manifested healing already taking place in my body by what I'm speaking out into the atmosphere over my life. So I challenge you to go back through each one of these chapters and use this as daily medicine. All right, back to the book. God wants to be involved in your finances. Throughout the Bible, we see that God has a lot to say about finances. The currency of the Old Testament was silver, gold, land, crops, and herds of animals. Investments were barns filled with hay and storehouses filled with grain for serving and feeding herds. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Genesis 13.2 This was the form of currency used at the time. Today, we, are pay- we use paper money, credit cards, and electronic banking. But the results are all the same. We trade it for what we want or need. Abraham listened to God, and God blessed and prospered him. He learned the spiritual principles of prosperity firsthand. God wanted to be involved in Abraham's finances, and he, wanted, he wants to be involved in yours. Let's look at some of the fundamental principles of Abraham's prosperity. And I love these principles. There's four, four principles. He listened to and obeyed God, Genesis 12, 1 through 4. He honored God who prospered him. Genesis 12 through 7. He was generous and avoided strife. Genesis 13, 5 through 9. And he was compassionate toward others. Genesis 18, 24 through 33. If you want God to be involved in your finances and prosper you, you must honor these basic principles. You cannot be greedy and truly prosper. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have abundance for yourself and your family, but giving to God and being generous with others is part of the spiritual law. There are those who generously scatter abroad and yet increase more. There are those who withhold more than is fitting or what is justly due, but it results only in want. The liberal person shall be enriched, and he who waters shall himself be watered. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25. Solomon understood the principles of prosperity. He was one of the richest men who ever lived. His Proverbs reveal many truths regarding finances. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of thine increase, so shall the barns be filled with plenty, and the presses shall burst forth with new wine. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. He who gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes from their want will have many a curse. Proverbs 28, 27. In 1 Kings chapter 3, the Lord appears to Solomon and says, Ask what I shall give thee, verse 5. That would be a dangerous question for some people. But Solomon only asked for an understanding heart to help people. God's response was to give him wisdom. And because he wasn't greedy for himself, I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings equal to you all your days. 1 Kings three thirteen. God wants your needs to be met abundantly, but in order to have true riches, the motive of your heart must be to bless others also and establish God's covenant. And beware, lest you say in your mind and heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. But you shall earnestly remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Deuteronomy 8, 17, and 18. 
From the book of Genesis to the words of Jesus and the writings of Paul, we see proof that God does indeed want to be involved in our finances. Here's another scripture. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall be shall, shall he not much more clothe you, O you little of faith? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. Matthew six thirty and 33. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth. 3 John 2. When we get our soul to prosper and get in line with God's principles, then we can see financial prosperity manifest in our lives. I want to share with you some of the things I have learned in my life about prosperity and finances. My personal fight of faith. Several years ago, I invested quite a large sum of money in a joint business venture. I had put out a fleece, Judges 637 through 40, before the Lord about this business deal. Well, all the fleeces turned out just the way I asked, but I really got fleeced. You see, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, In whom God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believeth not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Paul said Satan is the God of this physical world, and Satan knew the fleece I had put out. Now I have found a better way to find the will of God. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you the things to come. John sixteen, thirteen. I had sold a small farm and invested the money in this business. I lost nearly all the original investment plus $25,000 more. Through the confusion the enemy caused, I lost faith and turned negative on life. I thought God had done this to me. That was what Satan had put in my mind. After several months, I realized that the negative thoughts in my mind did not agree with the Word of God. Then the enemy tried to convince me that I had failed God and he was mad at me, and that was the reason I had lost the money. I know this story sounds familiar to many because it is one of Satan's favorite lies that he uses to bring condemnation and confusion to God's people. My confessions ruled. In, in that confused state of mind, I turned negative. I began to say, it doesn't matter what I do. It won't work out anyway. I was still farming about 800 acres of land at the time, so I turned my attention to the farming operation. I knew that was the one thing I could do well because I had always been successful at it. But... After I had turned negative, I would plant cotton and say, well, it doesn't make any difference how deep I plant it. It will probably rain three inches and it won't come up anyways. It did rain and the cotton didn't come up. I planted again, this time shallow, about one half inch deep and, t- and told almost everyone I saw, now it will turn off dry and it won't rain for three weeks. <laughs> and, and it did just what I said. The third time I planted that year, I made more negative statements. The, the more problems showed up, the more negative I became. This is Satan's cycle. The third planting produced about two-thirds of a, sta- of a stand of cotton. I can, even now, still hear my words. Now, there will probably come an early freeze and kill it before it opens. And it did. 
For two whole years, I confessed the same thing and got just what I said. I farmed 800 acres those two years and did not make enough money to buy my driver's license. The farming practices that once worked for me did not work. The same ground that once produced bountifully now refused to respond. I was still giving. I still believe Luke 6.38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with that same measure that you meet withal, it shall be measured unto you again. But it was not working for me. I prayed. I repented. I begged God to prosper me, but nothing worked. I was still negative. My confession destroyed my prayer. I saw failure everywhere I looked. I believed it and confessed it daily. I was a failure. I was at the end of my rope financially. I had just borrowed $100,000 to pay back my bills. I was so poor I couldn't pay attention. I would go to church, but I couldn't get anything out of the service because I was worrying about my finances. Then a Baptist man came to my house one day. He had some books with him. I remember thumbing through one of the books and reading a few paragraphs here and there. The title of the book was Right and Wrong Thinking by Kenneth Hagin. Oh, one of my favorites. It was different from any book I'd ever read. Every paragraph had something, said something, and it was straight to the point. I remember to this day one of the first statements I read. People that think wrong believe wrong, and when they believe wrong, they act wrong. I'm thinking back about that man on that forklift. <laughs> I was seeing the fruit of what he truly believes in his heart. Because if his belief system was correct, he would have been concerned and he would not have mocked and laughed at me. He would have loved and had compassion for someone who had just caused damage to their vehicle. So, well, that's teaching me today. People that think wrong believe wrong, and when they believe wrong, they act wrong. It went off inside of me like a bombshell. It just seemed like someone turned a light on inside of me. The entrance of my words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Psalms 119, 130. I knew instantly that this was truth. I ordered that book and another one on confessions. I began to dig into the Word of God to see where I was missing it. I had never heard anyone preach on Mark 11, 23-24. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he saith. Therefore I said unto you, Whatever, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you will receive them, and you shall have them. I am sure I had read it, but it meant nothing to me. It was not in me. I had no idea you could have what you say. But as I began to prayerfully study what Jesus said about words, the mouth, and prayer, God began to reveal these things to me. I remember one morning I was praying and I said, Father, I have prayed and it is not working out. He spoke inside my spirit plainly. What are you doing? I said, I am praying. He said, no, you're not. You're complaining. Then he said, who told you it is not working out? Now that shook me. I thought for a minute and then I said, well, I guess the devil said that. Then he spoke into my spirit some things that totally transformed my life. He said, I would appreciate it if you would quit telling me what the devil said. 
oh, you have to realize I'm reading this for the first time with you, okay? So, uh, sorry for my laughter. I would appreciate it if you would quit telling me what the devil said. You have been praying for me to prosper you and get the devil off of you. I am not the one that is causing your problems. You are under an attack of the evil one, and I can't do anything about it. You have bound me by the words of your own mouth. And it's not going to get any better until you change your confessions and begin to agree with my word. Listen, side note, I'm sure he's going to say it in a few minutes. If the devil's on you, stop agreeing with the devil. Stop confessing and saying what the devil's doing. We've got to change our language and start backing the devil off by the word of God. And now back to the book. You are operating in fear and unbelief. You have established the words of the evil one in your behalf. By your own mouth, you have re released the ability of the enemy. If I were to do anything about it, I would have to violate my word, and I cannot do that. I had just gotten enough of his word in me that he could talk to me intelligently about the problem. Until then, he had no basis on which to talk to me, for I had cast out his word and quoted the enemy. Over a period of the next few months, he spoke many things into my spirit that totally appended my way of thinking. He said, I am for you. I want you to prosper, but I want you to do it in a way that will work in eternal value in you by using your faith and acting on the word. The power of binding and loosing is not in heaven. It's on earth. And if you don't do it, it won't be done. Then he told me this. Study and search my word for promises that pertain to you as a believer. Make a list of these promises and confess them aloud daily. They will build up your spirit over a period of time. Then, when these truths are established in your spirit, they will become true in you. You can have what you say. Most Christians who are defeated in their finances are defeated because they believe and confess the wrong things. They have spoken the words of the enemy, and those words hold them in bondage. Jesus said in Matthew seventeen twenty, For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mount, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And in Mark eleven twenty three, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he has saith come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. In these passages of Scripture, Jesus tells us that what we believe and speak affects the natural world, including our finances. God has given us His Word so that we can understand these spiritual laws that govern the universe. There are spiritual laws just as there are natural laws, such as gravity and the law of lift. When you work with these laws, they work for you. When you work against God's spiritual laws, they work against you. When you speak negatively about your financial situation, you have what you say and believe. Here is a very important spiritual law. You can have what you say. With your words, you can choose life or death, poverty or riches, sickness or health. You may tithe, give 10% to the church. You may work hard and pray for prosperity every day. But if your words are negative and contrary to God's word, you could stay mired in debt, struggling to make ends meet. 
Words are powerful, but God's word is full of creative power. When you agree with what God has said about you and speak his word, your circumstances will begin to change and line up with his will for your life. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us some feedback and even subscribe to this podcast. I promise to bring you guests that are living lives full of passion and joy, and my goal is to inspire you to do the same. I invite you to come along with me to continue to live with joy.